You may be seated. If you would, uh, we're going to be reading out of 2 Corinthians, so if you would, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to be reading 2 Corinthians 11, verses 30 through 12, 10. So we're doing two different chapters here, starting with uh, chapter 11, verse 30, and we're going to be reading to chapter 12, verse 10. So Paul says this, If I have to boast, I will boast what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the entrarch, en- ethnarch, under Eretus, the king who was guarding the city of the Damascenes, in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago, whether in the body I do not know, know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up in the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that, I might, that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, it was June 19th, 1936, when Joe Lewis faced Max Schmeling. Joe Lewis, at that time, was a heavyweight contender, and he was slowly working his way up the ranks, and his goal was that he was going to be heavyweight champion of the world, which, which for him was the greatest goal that he could have because America had not seen a black heavyweight champion in two decades. And he decided he was going to be the first in two decades. And, and as he was facing up against each former heavyweight champion, he was knocking them out cold. I mean, he got in the rain and he just knocked out everyone he faced. He ended up earning himself the nickname, The Bomber, because whenever he walked in the rain, they said his, his uh, right hook was like a bomb that when it landed on the other guy would just blow him up. And so he was walking through all of these former heavyweight champions, and when he got to Max Schmeling, something was special about that fight. You see, Joe Lewis was fighting for America, and Max Schmeling was fighting for Nazi Germany. 
And America knew what was going on over in Germany and Europe, and they knew what was brewing over there. And so they felt like this was a chance for America to prove to the world that they could defeat Nazi Germany. And so when Joe Lewis got in that ring, he was ready to fight. But leading up to that fight, they asked Max Schmeling, how are you going to defeat Joe Lewis? And he said, I've been watching his, his fights, and I found a weakness. I'm not going to tell you what that weakness is, but when I get in the ring, I know what his weakness is, and I'm going to capitalize on that. And when the Americans heard this, and when Joe Lewis's camp heard this, they thought he was making it up. They thought that he was just trying to get into Joe Lewis's head or he was just trying to promote the fight because as far as Joe Lewis in America was concerned, he had no weaknesses. 25 fights, 25 knockouts, there, there is no one on this earth that could defeat Joe Lewis. And so when they got in the rain, America versus Nazi Germany, they began to watch the fight and what they realized is that Max Schmeling was correct. Joe Lewis did, in fact, have a weakness. Whenever he threw the jab, he would drop his hand, and Max Schmeling would hit him on the chin. And they did that for 12 rounds, and in the 12th round, the unthinkable happened. Joe Lewis was knocked out. He had not hit the canvas in 25 fights, and not only did he get knocked down in this fight, he was knocked out. One sports writer in New York said when he was walking through the streets of Harlem, he heard grown men cry in their apartment buildings. He said it was the most somber feeling he had ever felt in the city of New York. No matter what other sports event had happened, Joe Lewis losing felt like the world had lost to Nazi Germany. Sure enough, Joe Lewis had a weakness. We all have weaknesses, every one of us, even Paul. Paul, you could say, is one of the greatest writers of the New Testament. Uh, at least a third of the New Testament is made up of Paul's letters to the churches. And yet when we get into 2 Corinthians, and it's actually uh, just at the climax of his letter, he tells his church in Corinth, that he has weaknesses. Now, they had already kind of assumed that he had weaknesses. In fact, false teachers and false prophets were coming into his church, and they were pointing out where Paul's weaknesses were. And you can read some of this a little bit in his first letter, that they would say things like, oh, well, uh, Paul writes really nasty letters, but when you meet him in person, boy, isn't he just such a weak guy? And, and have you noticed how Paul is physically weak and his eyes, they're, they're not very strong and he probably doesn't know how to do this or that? He had false teachers, false prophets, false apostles coming into his church and pointing out his weaknesses to his congregation. Now, Pastor Mark was gone for a few weeks. Could you imagine another pastor? Not me. I didn't do this. But could you imagine somebody else coming in and beginning to point out his weaknesses? That, that, that would be uncalled for. And Paul is listening to this from a distance, and so when he writes the letter, he addresses this issue. But 
he, he does something incredibly odd. He agrees with them. He, he doesn't just start to write out, oh, none of that is true. Or, well, it's kind of true, but, you know, it doesn't get in the way of my ministry with you. He doesn't defend any of it. In fact, he, he does the reverse. He says, I'm glad I have weaknesses. I know what they are, and now you know what they are. And if I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about the weaknesses that I have in my life. Which is astounding, because you're talking about a culture that never identified the blemishes and weaknesses in life. Those were things you didn't talk about, because if you talked about your blemishes or your weaknesses, you were admitting your faults, you were admitting your shame, and so you were taking away a little bit of honor in your life. And so if you're a person in authority, it's unthinkable to go and tell the people that you're in charge of that you do have weaknesses and you do have problems in your life. But Paul goes ahead, goes ahead and does it. And in fact, in this passage, he says, if I'm going to boast about anything in my life, I'm going to boast about the weaknesses that I have. And he ends up giving an example of one of the weaknesses that he ran into when he was in Jerusalem, uh, in, or in Damascus, excuse me. And, and when he was there, it was that he was preaching the gospel and the authorities were coming to rescue him. And, and he had to escape the authorities and he was let down in a basket outside of a window that was along the city wall. And Paul says, I'll boast about that. Because in that moment, it was Jesus who saved me. It wasn't myself. Most people in his day wouldn't have even mentioned that story. That would have been an embarrassment because he was on the verge of being arrested. He was challenging the authorities. They would have said, oh, that's, that's not right. You're not supposed to do that, Paul. On top of it, he didn't save himself. He had to have other people help him so that he wouldn't get arrested. And Paul says, if I'm going to boast about anything, let me tell you about the time that the cops came to arrest me and I couldn't get out of it myself. I had to have a family let me outside of a window in a basket. That, that's not necessarily something you bring up at a board meeting. You know, that, that's not something that you brag about from the pulpit, and yet Paul is putting it in a letter that is going to stand the test of time. He's letting his entire congregation know about this weakness in his life. And then he goes on, he says, but let me go on to revelations. Let me go on to uh, uh, spiritual experiences. And, and he refers to a man and, and let me say now, a lot of people think that, that he's referring actually to a story about himself. But notice, he doesn't say me. He doesn't use the word, well, this is about me and this is my life. Instead, he's telling the story as if this happened to somebody else. He's saying, I know a man who 14 years ago was taken up into heaven. And he says, I, I don't know if it was a spiritual experience or if it was in the body, but the point being, I... I know a man who had a revelation that, that he was taken to heaven, that he met with the Lord, and he was able to listen to the language of heaven, words that, that we could not even understand, and if we could understand, we wouldn't be allowed to speak. It was a glorious moment. It was an amazing moment. And Paul says, experiences like that, if they happen to another person, I'm going to boast about that. So what Paul is pointing out in this part of the passage 
is if I'm going to boast about myself, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to boast about, about the issues that I've had in my life. I'm going to boast about the areas that I've fallen short. But if I'm going to boast about somebody else, I'm going to boast about the amazing experiences that they've had. I'm going to boast about the growth that they've seen in the Lord. I'm going to boast about, about those times that I've seen them serve Christ with such amazing passion. And I'm going to boast about the times that I've seen Jesus meet with other people. And so the point that Paul is making here is that if I boast about myself, I want it to be as little about me as possible and as much about God as possible. And if I'm going to boast about God as much as possible, then I want to make sure that, that if I'm speaking positively about anybody, I'm going to speak positively about somebody else, not just myself. Because we've all been there, right? You've heard the experiences that people have relayed to you. And doesn't it just seem more believable when they're talking about somebody else than when they're talking about themselves? Because at some point when... when now, I, I, I want to make sure... I'm not talking about like a testimony. That's different. A testimony is where you're talking about the weakness that you have that Christ has overcome. So now when they're talking about that, the focus is on Jesus Christ. And then when we're talking about something amazing that has happened, maybe a healing that has taken place or a salvation that's occurred, we're now talking about somebody else. And the purpose being is, Paul is saying, I want people to see as little of me as possible and as much of God as possible in everything that I say and do. And so Paul even goes on and says, if I wanted to, I could talk about all my strengths. And, and it's funny, Paul is an amazing writer because he actually did at one point in this letter talk about his strengths. And, and it, was, it was a way in his authority to be able to point out to the Corinthians, hey, you've heard about my weaknesses. I don't think you could handle my strengths. If I wanted to, I could point out that I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews and I could point out to you, oh, that I was a part of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee. I studied under one of the greatest Jewish teachers of all time. And, and if I wanted to, I could tell you about how I'm a Roman citizen and that I followed the law down to the T. And in fact, if I've even, you, you see what, and, and then he gets done and he says, but I'm not going to tell you about that. That's sort of his way of saying, if I really wanted to, I could just live out my strengths and tell you how amazing I am, but that would miss the point. Even Paul says, I'm not that amazing. And so Paul says, I could boast about my strengths. I could boast about the things that I've accomplished. But it doesn't bring any profit to my life or your life. Instead, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. And then, and then he begins to talk about the weaknesses in a, in a deeper format. Because he says... I've had amazing revelations, and I've had amazing spiritual experiences in my life. And he tells his congregation, for that reason, God has given me weaknesses. And he refers specifically to what's called a thorn in the flesh. It's just a saying that says, I've been given something that bothers me every day to no end. 
And Paul even says, it's been so frustrating in my life that I've asked God to take it away. I've asked God to remove this. Three times I've prayed to him, Lord, take this away. And yet three times God has said no. And he says that Jesus' response in his life, when he's asked him to take away this weakness, this thorn in my flesh, Jesus has said, Paul, my strength is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in this weakness. And so what Paul is telling his congregation and what he's telling us is that sometimes we have these weaknesses in our life because it's a time for Jesus to demonstrate his strength. Sure, we could add up the strengths that God has given us and that he's used us with, but God has also allowed us to have these weaknesses in our life so that we can give him the glory and that his strength can be perfected in those moments. And Paul says, I've asked him three times to take this away, and three times he said no, and three times he said, my strength is sufficient for you, for, for my power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul says, for that reason now, I'm content with whatever weakness I have. And so when the Corinthians point out to him, hey, a lot of these teachers have been stopping by and they point out that you're actually not good at this, 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 and this. Paul says, yeah, they're right. But guess what? Where I'm not good at these things, Jesus is far better. And where I've fallen short in these areas, Jesus has perfected all of that in his power. And so whatever weaknesses I now have, whatever issues I've come up against, whatever problems I have in my life, whatever persecutions I go for, I'm going to know that Jesus is strong enough to get me through it. And so Paul is actually taking these weaknesses and he's turning it into a testimony time. And he's saying all of these weaknesses are here so that I can tell you about Jesus Christ. So he says, go ahead. What, what do you find weak about me? What's, what's the biggest problem in my life? I'll agree with you. And then I'll tell you, for every problem you tell me that I have in my life, I'll let you know how Jesus has overcome that in my life. And so Paul is is telling his congregation that our weaknesses are opportunities to be able to share Jesus' power. So where do we go from here with, with this letter? Well, first of all, it's okay to know your strengths. It's okay to know where God is using you in the Christian life. There, there is a problem that we sometimes run into called false humility. And it's where God has gifted us and called us to be in a certain kind of ministry or a certain kind of work. And what we do is we then say, oh, no, I, I don't want to be filled with pride. And, and, and I don't, I, I, I just, oh boy, you know, I, I don't want all the attention to be on me, so I'm going to stay away from that. That, oh no, oh no. If God has given you that gift, if God has given you that calling, it is not pride to step into it and use it to, to the potential that God has given you. And, and Paul makes it very clear that we are supposed to be living in the strengths that God has given us. We're supposed to be living into that calling. But what he points out is we're just not supposed to brag about it. 
So if you are doing something for the Lord, don't make it about yourself. Make it about the Lord. Anytime somebody begins to compliment you in that area, somehow bring it back to how it's God who's given you that strength and it's God who has gifted you. The second is, it's okay to ask God to take away your weaknesses. Paul's done it three times. So it's okay to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I have this issue in my life. I, I have this infirmity. I have this problem. I'm, I'm going through a time maybe of persecution, you could say. It's okay to say to God, please, Lord, take this away. I, I don't want this anymore. As long as you understand that God's response can be, no, I'm not going to take that away. Because it's in those moments that God is going to... Uh, perfect his power in your life. So it's okay to ask God to take those away, but you need to be ready for God to say, I want you to keep those so that I can do my work in your life, so that you can see how great I am. And then also, it's good to identify our weaknesses, and it's even better in those weaknesses to point to the Lord. It's even better in those weaknesses to come to really... Those weaknesses are what draw us to God. Those weaknesses are where we go to the Lord and say, God, I, I can't do this on my own. Now, the truth is, even in your strengths, you couldn't do your strengths on your own. You know, I couldn't be up here preaching if it weren't for God gifting me and calling me into this ministry. But it's easier for us to think that our strengths come from us, which is why in our weaknesses we're drawn back to God. In our weaknesses, we then turn to the Lord and say, why did you give this to me? And sometimes God's response is, so that you would talk to me, so that you would come back and, and, and we could have this relationship where you realize that I've given you everything, even the strengths that you have in your life. And that's, and that's where Paul, I would say, gets a lot of his strength in ministry is because he is content with anything that comes into his life because God has drawn him into that relationship knowing that God is all of his strength, all of his power in his life. Well, it was June 22nd, 1938, two years after Max Schmeling knocked out Joe Lewis. The rematch was just around the corner. And by this time, Hitler's power grew in Nazi Germany, and, and what was then just Germany, all of a sudden, Europe, the whole world was seeing what was going on. And so now, when Joe Lewis was about ready to enter the ring with Max Schmeling for a second time, it wasn't just America versus Nazi Germany. They said the entire world was watching to see if Joe Lewis could beat him. And by this time, Joe Lewis had gotten the heavyweight title, so he was heavyweight champion of the world. And when he got into that ring, do you know what he did with his weakness? Remember, he threw the jab and dropped it and got hit in the jaw. Do you know what he did with that weakness? Nothing. Joe Lewis and his camp 
decided that his weakness was just who he was as a fighter. And instead of spending all of that time trying to perfect that weakness and get rid of it in preparation for this fight, they just decided they would up his strength just a little bit. They said when Joe Lewis got in the rain, all he did was throw right hooks just over and over and over. It knocked, knocked Max Schmeling out in the first round. The whole world watching to see that Nazi Germany could be defeated. Did you even know that Joe Lewis had that weakness? Do you even care that he had that weakness? No. What do you know about Joe Lewis? He's one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. In fact, a lot of people say he is the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. And so when you bring up, oh, well, what about his weakness? Who cares? Your weakness is not your identity. Jesus Christ is your identity. And whatever weakness you have in your Christian life, wherever you feel like you fall short, that is not your identity as a Christian. Your identity as a Christian is the person of Jesus whose power is perfected in whatever shortcoming or weakness you have, whose power is perfected in his work in you. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've done in, your, in, in our life. Thank you, God, for, for giving us those strengths. Thank you for calling us into ministry. Thank you for calling us into to areas to serve you. But also, Lord, we want to take a moment and say thank you for perfecting your power in our weaknesses, whatever those are. Lord, we pray that you continue to work in our life. We pray that our identity in you continues to grow more and more. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen.